three. Final look at the markets for this morning in Australia. The ASX 200 moving further ahead, up 0.9%. Uh, Japanese stocks also climbing further. They're up about 1.7%. Uh, futures markets indicating a jump of about uh, one and a quarter percent for, for the Hang Seng at the open. And in the commodities markets, Brent crude oil $67.34 a barrel. Spot, uh, gold is trading at $1,802 an ounce. And just a reminder that tomorrow morning, we don't have the usual money talk. Instead, Financial Secretary Paul Chan will be joining Hugh and me in the studio for a special phone-in from 8 to 9 a.m. on Radio 3. And this will be your opportunity to put your questions about the budget directly to Paul Chan. Do stay tuned for back chats coming up right after the news. The weather forecast for today, a few rain patches at first, sunny intervals in the afternoon, warm during the day, maximum temperature of around 24 degrees. And then the outlook, warm during the day and visibility relatively low with a few rain patches tomorrow, slightly cooler and drier on Saturday. And the temperature right now is 19 degrees. It's 84% relative humidity. It's 8.31. Here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. A tax consultant says Hong Kong's finances are in great shape despite warnings from the financial secretary to expect another five years of budget deficits. Yesterday in his budget speech, Paul Chan announced a deficit of over $257 billion, but he predicted positive growth of between 35 to 5.5% this year. John Timpany, the head of tax in Hong Kong at KPMG China, told RTHK that Hong Kong would rebound quickly once COVID-19 was under control. Hong Kong public finances are actually in a very strong position. We still have, you know, very large reserves. You know, even at the end of the forecast period, you're still talking, you know, nearly 750 billion of reserves. So the government's balance sheet remains very, very strong despite these deficits. President Biden's nominee for the post of CIA Director William Burns says what he called a predatory Chinese leadership is the biggest geopolitical challenge facing the United States. Mr Burns said on some issues, such as climate change, it would benefit both countries to cooperate, but on others, outcompeting China would be key to American security. There are, however, a growing number of areas in which Xi's China is a formidable authoritarian adversary, methodically strengthening its capabilities to steal intellectual property, repress its own people, bully its neighbors, expand its global reach, and build influence in American society. For CIA, that will mean intensified focus and urgency. President Biden has signed an executive order to identify and fix weaknesses in the supply chain for critical items such as pharmaceuticals, vehicle batteries and semiconductors. Here's the BBC's Samira Hussein. While shortages of medical equipment like gloves, masks and ventilators in the early days of the pandemic have eased, U.S. car companies are now being forced to shut down production because they've run out of computer chips. It is why the Biden administration is making it a priority to identify potential vulnerabilities in the country's supply chains and to see if there could be some homegrown solutions. The executive order does not identify China by name, but reducing America's dependence on its biggest economic competitor is clearly part of this initiative. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiwetan, your co-host today's Nixie Lamb. Nixie, good morning to you. Good morning. 
Today we're going to be talking about the budget for 2021. What did you think of the $120 billion of measures he announced yesterday? Handing out fewer sweeteners, uh, offering up $5,000 worth of electronic spending vouchers, tax breaks of up to 10000 along with a variety of other measures to help individuals and to help businesses as well. Announcing a record deficit of $257 billion this year, he warned that Hong Kong would suffer an annual deficit in the next few years in spending because of rising recurring expenses and one-off anti-epidemic measures. Well, what do you make of it all? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Bankchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email bankchat at rthk.hk. Or you can call us, and our telephone number is 233-88266, 233-88266. That is the same number to call if you want to speak to the Financial Secretary himself, Paul Chan, who will be with us uh, between 8 and 9, so a little earlier than this, between uh, 8 and 9 tomorrow morning uh, in our studios here to listen to you and uh, to uh, answer your comments. Um, best thing to do is to uh, call, and call early uh, as well, and then you can get follow-up questions and comments and so on. We usually get a, we usually get a log jam um, at the end um, so uh, if you call at uh, 8 o'clock uh, you can chat away to the uh, financial secretary who's uh, spending your money uh, making decisions <laughs> about what to do with your cash um, so uh, take the opportunity tomorrow uh, 233 uh, is the number that program will be presented with uh, Peter Lewis uh, as well from uh, Money Talk and uh, myself. Um, joining us now, uh, between now and uh, 9.30, we, ha- we have uh, David Webb in our central studio, shareholder activist, editor of website.com, and uh, Michael Tin, who's a uh, lawmaker with uh, Roundtable. Others joining us later in the programme as well. Uh, a couple of comments uh, to kick us off. Uh, maybe just one comment to kick us off. We'll, we'll get to the other emails in a moment. Uh, Andrew Kay, who hasn't written for a while, uh, says, I listened to the budget press conference this afternoon. I've never heard such poor translation to English. I don't know why you bothered. Thank goodness for Channel News Asia. They give a sort of concise report in English. That's from uh, Andrew Kay. Welcome back, uh, Andrew. David Webb, good morning to you. Morning. What did you make of the budget? It's uh, disappointing. It's more of the same mishmash of... Uh, nonsensical policies uh, and they're, they're uh, throwing money around where they don't need to um, and um, uh, and and also regress going going backwards in terms of uh, tax reform the uh, the 5k handout they, if they if they're going to do a handout again uh, to everybody including rich people like me then why don't they just um, use the same mechanism which will cost less in terms of administration and transfer the money to the bank accounts like they did last time. They've already got all the data on record. Instead, they want to somehow support the so-called electronic um, uh, payments. Well, a transfer to my bank account is electronic, Okay, Nobody walked the banknotes round and gave them to me. They didn't come in the mail. Uh, They transferred to my bank account. And if you contrived the scheme and you can tell it was half-baked he'd only just sort of put it in at the last minute because he said we're in the process of identifying stored value providers like octopus for example Mm. and then we're going to figure out the details well octopus has never had a facility as far as i know to have um restricted funds coupons on its uh, card and so if they transfer five thousand dollars to my octopus card well first of all they have to raise the limit uh, maybe they'll do it that's why they're doing it in stages because the limit's currently three thousand but once they do that i can transfer it straight into my bank account and achieve exactly what they would have done anyway you can transfer 000? money from your octopus to your bank account sure 
Yes, you, you, you can use an octopus uh, uh, um, app. Know. There's an app on your phone. <laughs> you can move money in and out of your octopus on your phone and uh, into your app. And, out of your octopus. The, 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 and then out of your app, stored value app, which, uh, and, and into your bank account. They, oh. work, they work two ways. Um, the, so, um, I uh, think the amount of the, 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 the $5,000 in on an installment of five installments in uh, $1,000 each month. Okay, well, I'll just... So, you know, that's fine. Yeah, yes. and... Um, but but the, idea, the idea that you could somehow restrict it is, 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 is silly. I mean, even if it was on a sort of... Um, uh, sort of special purpose card that they invent for mm. this uh, purpose. <laughs> um, and o you can only use it in Hong Kong. That still means that you can substitute other spending you would have done in the supermarket or whatever mm. and spend spend the cash you've saved anywhere you like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you buy, buy stuff on Amazon or, um, you know, or buy some a few extra shares in the stock market or, or whatever. So um, it, it's uh, unlikely to have much trickle-down effect into... Um, consumption. Of course, they could do it very narrowly, but then, but then you're picking winners if you say it can only be used in uh, restaurants. Mm -hmm. Again, it still substitutes for most people what they would have spent. Sorry, in how do you spend it outside Hong Kong? Because I think the idea is first well, of because, all, because because you've got to spend it online okay. payments because of that. because all, all money is fungible, Hugh. So uh, if you if you give me five thousand oh. dollars and say this is a voucher for for one thing, that's this something I don't I no longer have to pay cash for, so I can use the cash for something else. It's less fungible than cash. Yes. Only, only just, and as I say, the octopus card can't do vouchers. It, it, it just does cash, basically. It's accepted everywhere, or nearly everywhere, for small payments. Um, so um, I think they're going to, uh, you know, after this um, budget flourish, they're probably going to rethink that one. A stamp duty on stocks uh, was well. Stamp duty is a is a bad tax overall because it doesn't tax any kind of gross domestic product, a profit or an earning. When, when an asset changes hands, the person who's selling it may well be making a loss, but there's still stamp duty payable. It was invented in, by the Dutch and brought over by King William and Queen Anne to finance a war in the 1600s, if I recall correctly. Um, and it's been with us ever since. And the government is it's kind of addicted to it like crack cocaine. They reach for that when they can't think of anything else. The stock exchange uh, didn't even know about it uh, until, until it was announced. Um, and... Uh, the, it really ought to be abolished rather than increased. You've got it on property as well, these various uh, special stamp duty, double stamp duty, buyer's stamp duty and so on. And it just slows down the economy because estate agents can't move properties so fast. People who renovate properties for a living can't do that anymore because, because of the stamp duty being punitive is, isn't and it, on the stock it, market. Isn't it a very effective and, you know, with, as you say, with a 500-year well, history of, of getting a little bit of money out of sure. a, a, what you call rich people like you, um, they'll, um, they'll, who they'll get, get their the money, money not, from, not from wages but from, yeah. from stocks? And yeah, what they'll do is shift behaviour. Um, I mean, it's true that some places have even higher stamp duty. The UK, for example, is an overall 0.5% rather than 0.26%. Um, what happens then is that people start using derivatives. And in Hong Kong, there's no stamp duty on exchange-traded funds, uh, uh, warrants, um, bull bear certificates, futures contracts, and so on, some of which have much higher risk than stocks. So they're incentivizing people to, to switch over. Um, and it reduces the volume of, of trading activity as it does, you know, if you imagine you have a 5% tax on stock uh, transfers, there'd be almost no activity. And so at the margin, it starts to reduce the turnover um, and that damages the business of, of, of brokers and so on.
and uh, um, it does it does though collect revenue from our compatriots in the mainland who deal quite re- vigorously on the southbound connect and for, from overseas people who uh, deal in the stock market um, I, but but I think it, we ought to be working towards a purer simpler tax system uh, which taxes profits and and earnings and and not uh, uh, the movement of assets and okay. cars as well I mean cars they've increased the first registration tax by 30 percent and that's a multiple 1.3 by the way so the lower band only goes up from i think 40 to 46 percent but the higher band goes up to 138 percent if you buy a one million dollar luxury car you'll now pay 1.088 million dollars of tax on it and you might still just park it in your in your garage and look at it lovingly because you you don't want you want to keep it as a low mileage uh, uh, vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, what that's not going to solve transport congestion. They're still slow pedalling uh, the idea of of congestion pricing. Uh, the pilot scheme in Central has uh, had a consultation three years ago, finished, um, and still no conclusions. They still haven't had the balls to actually do that. Um, and if you want to reduce the number of people on a beach, you don't tax bathing suits. You tax the entrance to the beach. And that's what you should be doing with, with uh, congestion, if that's your objective. Okay. And to have this envy tax on, on vehicles is, is just nonsensical. All right. Plenty of food for thought there. Uh, Michael Tin, good morning to you. Hello, Mr. Tin. Michael Tin. Hello. <laughs> no, it's gone. Michael Tin. No. <laughs> well, all right. right. What, what about the? What I mean, um, overall, of course, this is there's a big deficit. We're yeah. spending a lot more money. The government is spending a lot, lot more money than it's getting in, and we'll continue to do that for the next five years. Hmm. They say. Um, what do you make of that? Well, it's you, less than you've they often urged them to be a bit more generous, aren't they? Isn't that now? He is spending. He is opening up the coffers. I've urged them also to cut the tax rates to make Hong Kong more attractive as, as a headquarters for multinationals and so on. You, you don't just when you talk, when you talk in terms of uh, returning the one trillion dollars plus of surpluses that they've hoarded since the handover, then you don't just need to just spray it around um, as they did with the employment support subsidy, ninety ninety plus billion dollars there, um, or, or building road bridges to Macau and so on. You could you could actually cut the tax rates to ten percent across the board. And and, um, and and attract a whole lot of business from Singapore because we're, we're losing that battle at the moment for other reasons like the NSL um, for multinational headquarters. Um, so um, national security law, if you don't know what that stands for, mm. um, you know, and this is the voice of the BBC. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, you know you you, uh, you you need to uh, think of ways to attract business back to Hong Kong after the recent turmoil. Um, and, and that would be one way to do it, yeah. and, and not and not to engage in, you know, throwing the money around. They've 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 already realised that the two dollar fare scheme is going to be far more expensive than, than they thought it was, and so they're slow pedalling the reduction of the age entitlement to to sixty. Mm. Um, other other things they're doing um, is is giving money to rich people by by issuing silver bonds, which pay more interest than the market would. Um, so that people with lots of cash can, when they reach the age of 60 now, not 65, uh, can get some extra interest on their money. There's no good reason to do that. Uh, we're supposed to focus welfare on the poor and the needy, not on not on people who've got cash savings at hand. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I, I hope we've got Michael Tin now. Mr Tin, good morning. Yes. 
Yes. Here. <clears throat> Thanks very much, yeah, I've been for... here uh, since the beginning of the program, so that's all right. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> sorry, we missed you earlier. Um, so uh, you've heard David Webb's uh, account. Uh, what do you make of the budget overall? What well, were the highlights I'm for you? Not as articulate as Mr. Webb, but uh, basically the financial secretary had positively responded to my direct request uh, to him for issuing consumption coupons. What I had told him earlier <clears throat> was that in this particular year, people were looking at how government can help the ones that suffered the most through the pandemic, Okay, because we are looking at some light at the end of the tunnel due to the uh, vaccine, vaccine uh, coming around, <clears throat> and also uh, how to kickstart the economy rather than any kind of longer-term measures. Okay, this is my feeling from talking to people on the street. So I had suggested to him that either you have another cash handout or you think about electronic uh, consumption coupons. Previously, I had objected to consumption coupons if it's issued on a paper basis because it's too uh, much fraudulent uh, <clears throat> possibility for fraud and counterfeit and all that. Just hopeless. Now, with this particular thing, what I have asked him is if you want to kickstart the economy, it has to be limited to a very short duration, maximum two months, okay? And there should be no restriction. Somebody can use it uh, the, whole, you know, the whole amount in one go, all right? That's how you can kickstart the economy. Now, when I further look at the detail, it becomes $1,000 per month if you use less uh, than that, you can't get the money and go over to the next month, all right? So basically, if you look at the food cost of an average uh, person in Hong Kong over 30 days, all right, how many people do you think would uh, <coughs> spend money on food less than $30 a day? Probably none, right? So as far as I'm concerned, the way this is now orchestrated, it becomes a food allowance, a basic food allowance for everyone for five months, all right? Yeah, it's and as good as cash, it, isn't it, really? It just it, it, it allows them to buy the things well, they were going to buy anyway. Not, it does not restrict you on where to use that, I mean, other yeah. than paying rent or taxes and all that. I've checked with the government. You can use it at supermarket. So just think about it. You cannot use more than $1,000 a month, and it can be used in supermarket. So why would you spend it on anything else? So the ultimate beneficiary is against the one single sector that never really suffered through the pandemic, which mm. is the supermarket. Now, so that is the irony of the situation. However, I still have to thank him for it because a lot of people will benefit from this $5,000 basic food allowance. That is a huge relief to a lot of people particularly when they slam the door on helping out the unemployed. Mm. Okay? Now, when it comes to helping the unemployed, they steadfastly refused my suggestion uh, to come up with some kind of subsidy to help them on the basis that they have no way of scrutinizing and there's too much uh, possibility of false claim and all that. But now with this loan... They still have to vet. Now, how are they going to vet? How would uh, vetting a loan 
be different from vetting a direct subsidy? Now, I have no idea. That, that, now, yes, and, about and will they actually um, come after people if they don't repay the loan? Yeah, yeah, exactly. if what will they do if somebody default? They're talking about six months' salary to be repaid over five years. You think about a basic level worker, okay, and it's kept at 80,000. If it's kept at 80,000, you know most of the people are the grassroots. Hmm. Imagine how can these people spare one month's salary every year for repayment? Basically, they use every single cent. They don't even save. So this is a you, you, this is an invitation for default. Well, isn't yes, oh. and also they're just they're just trying to do something to be seen to be doing something. Right. If, so if, you, if you have run out of the allowance, why don't you just give them the money well, and forget it? If you've run because out of cash, you can go, apply for CSSA anyway. If you have no savings and you're unemployed, lost your job, exactly. you, can, you can apply for that. What, so what I worry about is what are the banks going to do when these people default? Do they go after them and make them declare bankruptcy before they can call well, on government for the loan guarantee? I, I would imagine they wouldn't. The government? I would imagine they wouldn't. But there's an incentive, isn't there? Because you, you, the, uh, it's, it's uh, interest-free uh, if, you, if you make yeah. the payments. But the, the, the real point is that, that, that the government, through force of law, has put people out of work. People who are, for example, swimming pool attendants, there are no pools yeah. open still. Uh, beach attendants, no beaches are open still. So yeah. the government, the government has ordered them to stop work, and, and exactly. if they can't find other work, the government should compensate them fairly um, with, right. with for, on that for that reason alone. Well, on a direct subsidy, why loan? Yeah. Mm. Yes, um, but, whether or not they've still got savings, they've been deprived of their livelihood by force of law. Okay, uh, our number is two three three eight eight two six six. I hope we got a caller on the line now, Guy. I think Guy. Good morning. Yes, good morning, all, uh, especially to David. Um, it's very good to hear your voice. You, you. sound very well. Um, a question for David. I'm I'm looking at the the budget summary produced by the government, and under I think you've just spoken about it. Relieving traffic congestion is the headline. So they're increasing first registration tax for private cars by fifteen percent which is not nearly enough, and uh, they're increase, increasing the licence fee by 30%. Now, um, why on earth are they doing this if they, their objective is to relieve traffic congestion? Um, I, I firmly believe that one, one individual can only drive one private car at a time, and that there, is, there is no need for that individual to own more one more than one private car so that should be ruled out in future and a better way perhaps of fairly reducing traffic congestion would to in increase the fuel price um and um you know then people would use their cars more carefully and only for essential journeys if they felt that it was getting too expensive um perhaps also private cars should be restricted in engine size. We're trying to convert everybody to green power, uh, electric vehicles. If you increased, uh, you went the fuel route, of course, the electric vehicles are not going to be paying for petrol. So that's an encouragement. Um, and if you ban the, uh, the sale uh, of private cars over, say, four litres, that would be a big, uh, that would be a start. Uh, I I'd, I'd value your views on this. Well, the, the, um, 
in, in a free market, you should probably be allowed to drive a 10-litre car if you want and pay the extra fuel tax. You, you've suggested the higher tax on fuel, but that doesn't directly address congestion because most of the time on most of the roads, um, there, there isn't congestion. So it will be much better to implement what has been proposed for over 30 years now, which is a congestion pricing scheme at peak times in, in well, congested uh, areas. Yeah. You, you would have to pay a toll to enter that area. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that would be based on demand, basically, to, to, um, to, to price it so that the roads are not um, I I totally agree with that. Up. I remember it was Scott in the 70s, I think, or 80s, who mm. proposed, first proposed that. It's completely ridiculous that we don't have it by now. Yes. Singapore has had it now for, what, 25 years? Yep, 30? and many cities have done that, and, and it yep. works, basically. Yep, I mean, so you can still have, you can still own a collection of uh, luxury cars, sports cars or whatever, because you, that's your thing. You, you might collect model train sets or luxury cars. But, you know, um, you know, if you're going to take them onto the roads in the middle of the day in Central, you're going to have to pay a toll, and, and it'll be... Yeah, Michael Keane, yeah. If I may come in on this one, first of all, let's separate the two. If they want to increase the first registration tax, they don't need to bring up the issue of congestion. Okay, because since 2011, that rate has not been uh, uh, touched. So they are saying that, well, it's only inflation, but this is a rate. The yes. car prices are going up, so you don't change the rate all the right. time. All right? Now, when it comes to congestion, I totally agree. I think we're talking about Alan Scott, who used to be the Secretary of Transport, whom I remember many years ago when I was I don't know, still a kid, um, pushing for ERP, electronic road pricing. And then for some reason they dropped it, and the government, the, I think the previous administrations has been looking at it, and so far nothing has been done. You don't give up anything like that in core central. And the drivers driving the... Uh, you know, the uh, tie ties and all that just keep going around and around and, you know, congesting the road. Do you know the reason and why they dropped it? Uh, yeah. Well, one thing, one thing with the bypass was in the central... Well, well, what is the reason they dropped it? Well, yeah, please enlighten me. I don't know. What, one, one reason that was given for, for many years was, uh, was the central bypass. So they, they, we can't consider it until there's a central bypass because people going uh, yeah, east-west east, on, on Hong Kong ago. Island. Yeah, it's done. Yeah, um, yeah think, sure, yeah, it's done now. Yeah, I agree. The, other, the other spurious reason was privacy. Um, yeah, but, um, you know, it doesn't, oh, the, you know every, everyone, <laughs> the government can, government can see where you're going about, anyway. Singapore doesn't worry about privacy. None right. of the other jurisdictions worry about privacy. This is something that should have been done. I totally agree. The car registration tax is, is useless. Yeah. They, they, have, they have to target the usage, not the ownership. The government can see where you are at all times anyway. They can track mobile phones. They, they have location yeah. devices. They, they've got face recognitions on CCTV. Ownership. Michael Tina, guys, many thanks for your call. Uh, once again, our number is 233-88266. You're welcome, of course, to, to, to put that point to uh, the financial secretary tomorrow as well, between uh, 8 and <laughs> 9. Uh, Michael Tina, what, what about the uh, issue of uh, stamp duty, increasing the, 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 the stamp duty? What do you make of that? You support uh, that? I, over the years, they have adjusted that. It started, I think, uh, I believe, a, a bit higher, a lot higher, and then came down, and then whatever. Uh, now, this is a very interesting thing. Uh, government collect their revenues from many sources, all right? And financial sector shares, all right, 
has always been the main source of revenue for Hong Kong, and that's what Hong Kong is famous for, right? Our stock exchange, all right, the billions and trillions and whatever. Now they are trying to uh, uh, take something uh, out of this goose that laid the golden egg. Now, uh, 0.3 seems nothing, but it's 30% increase. Uh, and then they say, well, it only affects people who buy shares and whatnot. But I don't know. A lot of people do that. Uh, I just worry that the big players worry, uh, thinking about a 30% cost increase would shift to uh, doing a lot more on the derivatives, which is uh, the higher risk products. And they, those are uh, not carrying any stamp duty. Uh, now, this is what I worry about. And I don't know whether eventually that will happen. That is actually not, in my mind, leading to a uh, more positive uh, direction for the uh, stock exchange. It's, it's also okay. a worrying thing that once you, once you do that, and after not touching it since 1993, right, then 28 you years, then when you're going to start, to start using it. <laughs> yeah, you're going to start doing it again and again. You go, okay, well, if they didn't right. mind that, we'll so make what's it... What's wrong with 0.16? Yes. Yeah, what's wrong so... with 0.119, right? <laughs> right. Every right. time it's, uh, what is it, a billion, 10 billion? Yep. Yes. Yeah, 10 billion every time. Every, every, every uh, bit is, is a $10 billion win uh, yeah. for, the, for, the, uh, for the house, the casino, as it were. Yeah, I, uh, I yeah. hate touching rates. I, I have pushing, I've been pushing uh, the financial secretary introducing new taxes to broaden our tax base. We have the narrowest tax base in the world. Oh, no, that's not true, Michael. It's just that there's lots of poor people who can't afford to pay tax. Um, you know, we do no, have no, no, a... that's the whole point. It, it's it, not... It, salaries it, tax isn't narrow. It applies to anybody yeah, exactly, who earns enough. Exactly. They have to think about taxes that get the other part of the uh, citizens into the tax net. Why should okay. we? They're poor. Why, do we, why should we make them pay tax when we're no, 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 basically no, giving it back the to them in welfare that anyway? The ones that I propose to the government to pay taxes are the ones that own assets. The rich ones. Okay. I'm well, talking about regressive. <laughs> they pay rates. Hang on, David. We've got another <laughs> argument for another day because we've got a break right. for the news now at nine. And say goodbye for the moment to Michael Tin. Thank you very much indeed for joining us, Roundtable Lawmaker. Kenneth Lung will be joining us after the news at nine and uh, David Webb sticking around. Uh, the weather, mainly cloudy, a few rain patches around at first. 19 degrees at the moment. Relative humidity is at 90%. Don't forget, phone in with the chief, uh, with the uh, financial secretary tomorrow between eight and nine. <laughs> and build influence in American society. For CIA, that will mean intensified focus and urgency. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Thursday morning, tomorrow morning, between 8 and 9. Uh, we're going to be having our phone-in special with the Financial Secretary, uh, Paul Chan. It's your chance to put your questions and your comments uh, to him, and he will have no choice but to listen to you. Uh, that'll be between uh, 8 and 9 tomorrow. All you've got to do is pick up the phone and call 233-88266 and say, uh, we'll give you the, talk, the chance to talk to him and, uh, and to uh, Hong Kong. That'll be between 8 and 9, and then we'll have a shortened Back Chat between uh, 9 and uh, 9.30. So that's all coming up uh, tomorrow. Uh, for today, we're looking at the and thinking about the, yesterday's uh, budget. Uh, we have in our central studio David Webb, a shareholder activist, editor of uh, website.com. We were talking to Michael Tin in the first part of the programme. We're now joined by Kenneth Lung, who's the former accountancy sector lawmaker. Uh, once again, we welcome your comments on um, email, backchat at rthk.hk, on our Facebook page, or on the phone, 233 
266 uh, is the number. Um, let's start off with a, with an interesting uh, email from uh, Mary. Um, this is a little bit hard to communicate on the radio, and some of the detail I kind of have to um, uh, summarise, but it's, a, it's, it's an interesting point. Um, uh, OK, Mary... Uh, has a series basically of news reports from yesterday. 24th of February 2021, Hong Kong, 1,500 homeless street sleepers recorded in 20, inability to pay rent attributed as main cause. 24th of February 2021, at about 5 o'clock this afternoon, a woman named Kwok, 47-year-old, fell from the top of an apartment at 297 Nautau Kok Road and was seriously injured. 24th of February 2021, at around 9am yet today, a Hong Kong Post employee jumped off the top of the building of 1 Wang Ching Street, Kowloon Bay. 24th of February, at around 8.35 this morning, the police received a report that someone was suspected of falling into the sea at the Kuntong Public Pier. 24th of February, a woman fell to death in Taipo. At 7.05 this morning, the security guard at Riviera Lodge spotted a woman lying on the platform. 24th of February at 0.32 a.m. Today, a woman, a man surnamed Lung, fell from the top of the Golden Bear Industrial Centre. 24th of February, a man, 23 years old, reported at about 10 p.m. last night that his girlfriend, surnamed Chung, 21 years old, hanged herself using a cotton rope. And we have a financial secretary whose solution to the plight of those whose livelihood has been severely impacted in the past year is to promise $5,000 in e-vouchers to all residents, some of whom do not have access to a mobile phone, while ring-fencing billions for the Lantown money pit, undisclosed costs of implementing NSL, and additional ammo for the security services. No wonder they don't want fair elections. That comes from Mary. Uh, some other emails. John says, Good morning. On today's show, I'm sure you'll talk about the government's decision to increase the stamp duty from 0.1 to 0.13%. I would argue that this move makes sense for a number of reasons. A. Faced with looming budget deficits, the government needs to lift revenues. Potential new sources of revenue, such as a retail sales tax, are clearly non-starters, given the weak Hong Kong economy. The, logic, the local stock market, however, has been booming, fueled by a surge in southbound fund flows. Given Fed Chairman and Powell's commitment to maintain low interest rates, the strength of the Chinese economy and the concurrent exodus of US-listed China companies to Hong Kong Stock Exchange, the Hong Kong stock market should continue to do well. One could argue, therefore, that this is an opportune time to hike the stamp duty. B. While the proposed change in stamp duty represents a 30% increase, the absolute increment is small at $300 for each $1 million trade. C. For local investors, let's not overlook the fact that, unlike most overseas investors, uh, we pay zero tax on capital gains from stock trading and zero tax on dividend income from listed companies. So an additional 0.03% is not going to make much difference for Hong Kong investors and punters. That is from John. We've got a lot of uh, other interesting emails. Maybe we'll get to those in a moment. But uh, uh, Mr. Lung, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. Well, what, let's talk. Let's, let's talk about the the, the stamp duty. Uh, you know, um, John is saying, well, there's all this money coming in, all this southbound money, and, and now is the chance to to get some of that money, um, and better to well, well, better, I, I, better I to get it from can, them. You have two ways of getting money: either increase the the, the the transaction, the volume of trading, or you increase the stamp duty rate. And perhaps, I mean, we have a lot of, you know, small traders and small investors. I think the increase is just a very bad move. Of course, when you talk about million dollars, you're paying $300 more. But, but I do think that you should aim at increasing the volume traded 
on the stock exchange rather increasing the stamp duty. I objected to, to, to any change in the tax ban or the tax rate in a very difficult year. It just sends down the wrong message. Um, I don't think we lack money at the moment. The, the estimated reserves would stand at 900 billion by 31st of March, by any standard, is a very large amount of reserve. I don't think the government has done enough to alleviate um, the burden of the working class of the middle class. But really, by raising 0.03% of stamp duty, I don't think it's a good gesture. It doesn't stand out a good message, and uh, it doesn't you know, look good. But the volume is not a problem, is it? There's plenty of business being done on the stock exchange now. Is it well, one more. I mean, I mean, they are plenty. If we, we just leave the stamp duty alone at 0.1%. Then why, why should we change it? Because the volume will increase naturally. Because in total, we have increased stamp revenue if we do better. Uh, and in encouraging more you know, different types of products to be left on the change. And that is a natural process. We need to move the, the, the stamp duty rate because this is just a really bad uh, you know, um, gesture and creates some you know, psychological barrier for small investors. If you and if you keep doing it, at some point you do reduce the revenue. There's a point at which the the volume, yeah. the reduction in volume, off, more than offsets the increase in the rate. Um, and, and you can in, do a thought experiment. If you had a 10% rate of stock transfer duty, there would be almost no transfers and no revenue. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that's going to happen at point one three, but there's already going to be some diminishing effect on volume and shifting to derivatives and products like contracts for differences, which is a, a way where you pay the difference in the movement of the stock price in a financial bet rather than a stock it, own the stock itself. Um, and don't forget, of course, people can buy some of these stocks overseas. You can buy, you can open a brokerage account with an international broker in Hong Kong and buy HSBC in, in New York uh, on the NYSE, and they have zero stamp duty there. So your transaction costs will be lower. Um, if you want to own HSBC, you can still do that through by owning it through an online broker in, in New York. Um, you know, there were some other financial gimmicks in the budget, uh, more green bond talk. Uh, I'm getting confused with all these colours. We've got green, we've got silver. I'm not sure when we're going to get um, yellow. Yellow bonds might be fun. Um, but, but um, uh, you know, there's, the, money, the money is all fungible. Again, the government raises money through so-called green bonds and says, aren't we green? But then they've got a huge pot of money that Kenneth referred to, over, over a trillion when you count the exchange fund surplus. Um, and it all goes into there. And if they allocate some projects that involve landscape gardening and say that's green, or, or um, some, some projects that are going to reduce our carbon footprint, and say, well, we'll put that money there, then that just frees up money that they can spend building uh, more, more roads and tunnels and bridges uh, to places, um, like the, uh, you know, the, we're going to need some bridges to the uh, Lantau metropolis if they build it, and uh, putting concrete into the uh, Lock Marchal loop. And there was more talk about science parks and cyber ports and general sort of government pushing innovation and technology. If you count the words in the budget, INT comes up a lot. Uh, this year, there's almost no Belt and Road, just one paragraph, because that's kind of old, old mm. hat now. There's a lot, there's a lot about more... about the Greater Bay? There was more GBA... About the Greater Bay, yes, indeed, yes. And more, and more dual circulation. I mean, there's, you know, they're using the same words as, the, as their compatriots up north. Um, but, um, you know, the... Uh, uh, you don't actually need to um, spend public money on things that are that, that are beneficial to Hong Kong anyway. They will happen, right? You know, if if we're good at something, we'll do it. 
Uh, we're an entrepreneurial, and we were a free market, uh, an entrepreneurial economy. But on the other hand, if you take taxpayers' money and try and, and force people, you know, uh, take money out of people's hands and then use it to do favourite sector things, then that's distorting the economy and it produces a suboptimal result. Um, also, there's, there's a, a subsidy for people, property tycoons, who want to list mm. their buildings as real estate investment trusts or REITs. The, the gov for some strange reason, they came up with this, the government's going to pay $8 million Hong Kong dollars of costs for anyone who wants to start a REIT. Um, mm. there are, there's only about a dozen of these things created by people like Li Ka-shing and, and Li Xiaoqi through their companies, um, and they want to have uh, more of those. They want to subsidise people to issue bonds. Why, why do that? I mean, if, if, they, if it's in their interest to issue a bond, they will do so. Mm. K Kenneth Lang, what, what do you make of the, uh, the, the sweeteners? Not, we've talked quite a lot about the vouchers. There's also the, the tax breaks, uh, uh, you know, which is sort of scaled back uh, from last year, and also the, the interest-free loan. Uh, what do you make of those? Well, I think it's just too little too late. For example, if you talk about the loan, how, how long will it take uh, for one to apply uh, uh, for the loan? And we, we would have expected some, something similar to, to last year because if you look at the, the deficit, the, the, the scale of the deficit this year is not as large as it had been predicted. And certainly middle class people are not happy. The, 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 the working class are, are not happy because they have lost their job. And what, why, should, why would they need to apply for $80,000 of loan and knowing that they need to repay them and without any prospects of any job in the next two months? I mean, how, how, how would they dare to apply for loan? Of course, there is the 100% guarantee. But I think some sort of subsidy to to to, um, to the people, unemployed people, would be a better op option. I don't say that it's totally you know, um, useless alone, but of, of course they, you need more weapons in in the war chest more immediate. to alleviate yeah the, the, the people's uh, you know the plight. Yes, if, yeah. the, if the banks participate, they're going to have to be subsidised as well because the cost of administering and, and vetting yeah. someone for a, for an eighty thousand dollar loan is more than eight. <laughs> you know, they're only going to get eight yeah. hundred dollars a year. Like, like, the, the, the long amount, eight eight thousand, will go into the banking fees. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, eighty thousand is, is a good chunk of money, though, isn't it, for grassroots people? That there there is that advantage. You can make a substantial amount. But if you know that you are not going to get any job in the next six months, and and of course, and and, and of course, people default, and of course, the people uh, government said you you there's hundred percent guarantee. It doesn't look good because the, the, the bank will have you know taken up the the, the the liability, the balance sheet, and they have to write off all these. And I think the government should you know directly give subsidy to the unemployed people. There's there's a lot of demand for by various political parties um, to, to set up such a uh, mechanism. But of course, uh, the secretary, Lord uh, Chikong, said, oh, well, if we have to set up such a you know, mechanism, that will take years. Mm. But I, I don't see why. Well, it's, it's a question of fairness as well. If you're a bartender, I mentioned two other professions earlier, but if you're a bartender, mm. you're still out of work because bars are still closed. So yeah. shouldn't you be suing the government for putting you out of work and, and if you own the bar, uh, suing them for putting you out of business? Well, uh, because I, I have been, you know, uh, under a very strict lockdown rules, the government should give them subsidies because this mm. is really, they cannot, you know, survive for another two or three months without any income mm. at all. Bartender, yes, it's one, one of those, the, the swimming coaches and, and, and various people on, 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 on working on freelance basis because of the social distancing. 
they could not get work. Yeah, and and when, when, when police, when, when uh, tennis uh, coaches had a sort of demonstration in the park the other day, <laughs> the police came round in their hundreds to stop them. Uh, but they have a valid point. Why can't they? Uh, and, and now only only just last week they've allowed tennis to resume. Um, uh, but it, there's been so much disruption and for so little return as well uh, as a result yeah, of these I, I think the company measures. should think very hard what, what kind of venue they should reopen because you, you know that I mean, um, they, they are easing down the dining in arrangement in restaurants. restaurant. They should think about you know, those you know, outdoor, indoor uh, venues where people can relax, do their sports, and the coaches can, can get back to their normal daily work. It is very important, I think. Okay. Uh, some, some emails. Uh, Mike is sort of echoing um, some of those points. Uh, with the subject line vouchers, Mike says, let me get this straight. Government is going to spend $600 million distributing what amounts to one month's grocery money spread out over a five-month period in the way of vouchers. Many or most have been hurting financially due, in most part, to the government-orchestrated shutdowns more than the dreaded COVID for over a year. Needing help months ago, we're going to get that help needed five months from now. Whoever dreamed this up this help package is either living under a rock or in some ivory palace somewhere. We peasant masses... Or in a luxury government house in Shuson Hill. <laughs> <laughs> we peasant masses should feel grateful for the crumbs from the bread that we cooked that falls from the table of the powerful. But it is too, a little too little too late. Uh, if your financial help plan was a fraction of what your aggressive COVID prevention plan was, we would all be getting somewhere in the neighbourhood of six months' rent waived government fees or rates or late charge penalties. That would look more like a benevolent government than this. That is from uh, Mike. Jay says the poor need coupons that you can pay your electricity bill, pay your water bill, pay your internet, pay credit card. When it comes to your food, the big supermarkets exploiting people. Supermarkets never gave money back to the low-class people. Loans, you can't get blood out of a stone. Uh, S says, uh, regarding the congestion charge, if we look at the major road layout and thoroughfares of Hong Kong, we see that it's mostly east to west. So if there is a congestion charge for going into central, will it mean that other roads, for example, Kane Road or Robinson Road near central, will be congested to bypass the central district? That's why they built the bypass, I think, uh, S. I think that was, that was what happened there. OK, uh, on Facebook, uh, Horatio says, uh, what do I think? I applaud the FS's sense of humour because it's literally a joke. Lending to people who lost their jobs at 1% when the government's inept policy was the culprit. NSL provision. If, only I needed, if I only need to produce a piece of homework once a year, I would at least have the dignity to show something valuable, meaningful and creative. And speaking of creative green bonds, tell me one thing that is green about Hong Kong under this government. Uh, Sam says the stock stamp duty increase caused a, slide, caused a slide in the stock market yesterday. Uh, don't think that non-stock buyers will be affected. Look at your MPF account. I lost tens of thousands of dollars in one day. China doubled the same stamp duty in 2015. It was then followed by a stock crash. The two may not be related, but you know what? The stamp duty collected from the stock market on the same year fell drastically too. The majority of practitioners in the stock market are against the initiative. Why did Mr Chan still act against people's will uh, again? Well, it still has to get approval of LegCo, by the way, um, which is why it's not happening till August. And since LegCo is now run by pro-government legislators, it will be interesting to see whether they approve it. Um, including the financial services legislator, Christopher Chung, who's obviously against it, because there are other legislators there who don't like things like the increase in first registration tax in the mm. transport sector legislator. So they might help each other, and in a way that functional constituencies <laughs> do, uh, you know, sort of trade off 
Uh, and, and uh, I think, David, I think it's much, uh, you know, wishful thinking <laughs> out there. They're probably much to bring legislators, you know, joining hands uh, to, 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 you know, to oppose some, some, some yes. government. Uh, and, items. I don't think it will happen. And by the way, <laughs> if the government if the government's looking at its own stock portfolio, which they which they own through the exchange fund, <laughs> then it, then that went down yesterday. And let's not forget that they own six yeah, percent of HKX. So that, so the value of their stake in HKX went down about four billion dollars yesterday. Um, so you know, there's that. Uh, okay, uh, John. John on Facebook says, "Question for Paul Chan: What will the eight billion billion uh, money for national security be spent on? Why is funding for public broadcaster RTHK cut by four point six percent?" TC has a couple of messages. He says the logic behind the $5,000 spending voucher is interesting, especially compared to that of the $10,000 cash handout last year. I do want to hear what the current members of the provis of provisional LegCo have to say about it. Full disclosure, I'm eligible for the voucher along with the 80000 interest-free loan because I don't have a job in Hong Kong. Uh, uh, TC says uh, the Hong Kong SAR government seems to be philosophically against handing out money and provides a laundry list of excuses for doing it, such as not targeted enough to cause in inflation. Worst, mainstream political parties on both sides of the aisle are also against universal cash handouts and thereby allowing the government to continue this philosophical opposition. I think TC is in, in Canada. Um, uh, CW says, it sounds like the 10,000-plus refugees that Hong Kong has, and some of whom have been in Hong Kong for 10-plus years, will not be entitled to the $5,000 vouchers as they're not permanent residents, and they're also not allowed to work. Why not do something for this group? Well, strangely, they said, and for new arrivals, and I was thinking, how do you define that? I mean, does that include asylum seekers? Does it include foreign domestic helpers? Uh, what exactly do they mean, or do they just mean only people from the mainland who have recently arrived? It's not, not at all clear yet. No, maybe all people legally arrived in Hong Kong. That is the, the main message, I guess. Mm. Well, they, they did. Asylum seekers usually arrive on a visa and then seek asylum. That's le legally <laughs> arrived, and, and they have a legal process uh, through which they're going. Uh, they're not in Hong Kong, though, are they? In the same way that well, domestic almost, helpers. Yes, are not they're in living Hong in they're living in Hong Kong and places mm. like that, and they don't like coming mm. out for COVID tests. Yeah. So, All right. Uh, okay. Sometimes. Uh, a lot more emails. Uh, Jay says, fuel tax will just get passed on to the customer or written off in company expenses. Uh, and we know chauffeurs drive around the block. Um, Jim says, what is the actual topic? Does the 17th century British financial model matter to me in a 21st century Hong Kong? What does the wealth of Mr. Webb matter to your listening audience? That uh, comes uh, from uh, Jim. Uh, Magnus says, good morning. A pathetic budget from a pathetic government. Leaving aside Hong Kong's other issues for the moment, COVID has impacted Hong Kong economically in a very non-uniform manner. Most of business has been largely unaffected, some even prospering, while for a small number of sectors, particularly hospitality, it has been and continues to be an absolute disaster. What's needed from the government is A, stop prolonging the misery through your inept and incoherent restrictive measures, which merely serve to displace transmission rather than restrict it, uh, thereby unnecessarily dragging out each outbreak. Other countries, for example, Vietnam, Australia, and so on, uh, take weeks to contain an outbreak where Hong Kong takes months. This is because they do it properly, where our restrictions have enormous holes in them. Uh, B, properly compensate those small number of sectors who are severely affected. Stop spraying money where it's not needed. The levels of compensation provided thus far 
are derisory. That is uh, from uh, Magnus. Mr Pink says, on the subject of stamp duty and turnover on the local stock exchange, here is an interesting statistic to chew on. When I came to Hong Kong in 1986, the average daily turnover, or ADT, on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange was under $500 million. Yesterday, this figure hit $324 billion, i.e. an increase of 624 times. Food for thought. The trend is irreversible and won't be derailed by a higher stamp duty. That is uh, from Mr Pink. Uh, Jay says many people would like an $80,000 loan to offload their 24% credit card fees and bad luck. Uh, CW says, why not impose an annual tax on the taxi license owners? The taxi license owners seem like they are a protected species. That's uh, CW. Uh, Jim says, I agree with Mary that the Hong Kong SAR government, similar to other governments, misses the mark when considering the needy public and how not being a financial activist are affected by being poor. Uh, that's from uh, Jim. Uh, and Anthony says, the inc an increase in... Stamp duty is an encouraging signal to raise money from assets. However, where are the policies for housing in the budget? Until the Hong Kong government deals with the most basic of human needs, a roof over one's head, how does the financial secretary expect to develop a healthy, functioning and forward-looking society in the future? The 2019 protests and Occupy Central movement are warning signals that seem to have fallen on deaf ears again in this year's budget. Paul Chan and Carrie Lam need to deliver a better future that includes the affordable and livable home, not a 200-square-foot uh, unaffordable uh, Sun and K shoebox for our young families if Hong Kong is to flourish. Flourish. Um, that is uh, from Anthony. Thanks very much indeed for uh, all those uh, messages. Um, back to rthk.hk. Um, uh, Kenneth Leung, I mean, uh, sorry, I've been sort of asking you specific questions, but, you know, overall, what did you make of the budget? What, what did you think of well, this? Well, I think, of course, I mean, you, you hear about the criticism, but I must say there are some, some stuff in the budget which I like. But, uh, of course, I mean, these are not the, the, the stuff which a lot of people will be concerned about. I mean, there, there are a lot of mentioning about, you know, improving um, the air quality, um, uh, the, the seaside promenade, and also um, the use of renewable energy, and, and more money will be put aside um, to, to make um, the living environment, uh, you know, our living environment better. But, of course, this is a long-term thing because um, people will care more about the immediate future, you know, do we have money for food and, and lodging for the next few months? But these are the long-term visions which I, uh, I think he's doing right. But how, are, how is he going to implement that? Will the next government try to implement all these policies? Uh, the next thing I would like to mention is about the financial services. There are some new ideas about creating uh, a, a, a regime for, for offshore funds to redopt are in Hong Kong, the test concessions for the family offices, these are, are the right thing uh, that uh, could be pushed forward. But, but overall, I, I think uh, people are more concerned about their livelihood. You know, how do I feed my, my, my children in the next few weeks or so? That is um, the main point that the financial secretary should address. And also, I do think he should think hard about, you know, Increasing stamp duty. I mean, um, I don't think it's a good move at all. So for, for the coupon thing, um, a lot of people are saying, well, it takes too long. It, it, it can only come in, in, the, in during summertime. It's like three, four months after that. And it doesn't, it cannot pay for rent and stuff like that. Can Should the government change about that point? 
Well, I, I think in a way they they want to create some basic infrastructure whereby they can use electronic consumption voucher in future. But apart from this five thousand, why don't you give everybody another five thousand cash because you have got the infrastructure to distribute the cash last ah, year? Ah, but the timing. Think about the yeah. timing, Kenneth. You see, if you did it cash, you could do it this this month or next month. Yeah, mm. that's right. But I mean, if you do about. If, the if you do vouchers, the if you do vouchers, yeah. then you're closer to the next LegCo election period, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you do both things because they are you want not, to create infrastructure. So, do so both. from the government <laughs> from the government's point of view, don't you want to make people feel better about the government by the time of the next LegCo? So you, well, you hold they, the vouchers they back. Well, they can have a long-term sustainable effect for ten months. <laughs> <laughs> It sort of looks like the government trying to to, to achieve multiple purpose, but then then sort of stuck in the middle. Yeah. It, like yeah, it exactly. cannot. We look on, on salaries tax. We, they should since they've been repeatedly waiving salaries tax, a hundred percent of the first ten thousand and so on. Mm-hmm. Why not just abolish the the lower bands which produce that revenue? Bands two percent, six percent, and ten percent produce nine thousand dollars of of salaries tax, and they're going to say you don't have to pay the first ten thousand. So we could we could take the opportunity to just abolish those bans and introduce a flat rate of tax, and then we can discuss in future what that rate should be because it's it certainly could be. Yeah, it, it, low, it could low. be a future project. I, I think I think it's not a wise move to just you know. You don't, you know, you don't need banding because instead they're talk, they're going the, the other way. <laughs> what is yeah, that, instead I, of? I agree. I agree. It's a simpler a simpler tax system, a more um, yeah. equitable tax system. Uh, and, and they should tax housing allowances, of course, properly, because uh, that's mm-hmm. that's always mm-hmm. been a loophole. Um, and then and then you've got a nice simple flat rate of tax, including all of your benefits, um, and the, the same rate of flat tax on profits. No gimmicks like half rates on the first two million. Just just make it simple, um, and, and stop messing around with the system. And that you know, if we have a root and branch review of the, ta- of the tax system, I think we'll be in a be- better place uh, five years from now. But n- no financial secretary in the last. Uh, 20 years has been willing to do that. Okay. Well, Kenneth Lang, many thanks for joining us today, former accountancy sector lawmaker and David Webb. Thank you very much indeed. Good to see you. Uh, Well, uh, editor of uh, website.com, shareholder activist, uh, one more time between 8 and 9 tomorrow, the financial secretary, Paul Chan, uh, will be with us uh, here in the studio. I think we'll be on Facebook Live and on TV as well um, uh, uh, with uh, Peter Lewis uh, as a co-host, putting your questions uh, to the financial secretary. uh, And you can do that by calling us on the usual number, 233-88266, which that's between 8 and 9 tomorrow. Many thanks to uh, Nixie Lamb. I'm leaving you now with the latest weather. It's going to be mainly cloudy, a few rain patches around at first, some sunny intervals during the day, and it's going to be warm. Maximum temperature up to about 24 degrees. The outlook warm during the day. Visibility relatively low with a few rain patches tomorrow. 19 degrees now, relative humidity right up at 90%. The government provides public COVID-19 testing services through different channels. Those without symptoms but feel they have a higher risk of exposure can visit designated public clinics or other distribution points to obtain free test kits. Those having compulsory tests can visit community testing centers for free testing. The centers also provide self-paid services to those needing test reports for personal use. If feeling ill, see a doctor promptly and don't go elsewhere. I'm 31, the news now with Samantha Butler. 
A tax consultant says Hong Kong's finances are in great shape despite warnings from the financial secretary to expect another five years of budget deficits. Yesterday, in his budget speech, Paul Chan announced a deficit of over $257 billion, but he predicted positive growth of between 35 and 5.5% this year. John Timpany, the head of tax in Hong Kong at KPMG China, said Hong Kong had large reserves and would rebound quickly once COVID-19 was under control. New data indicates the experimental Johnson & Johnson one-shot COVID vaccine is safe and effective. Large-scale trials in the United States, Brazil and South Africa show the vaccine is 85% effective in preventing serious cases of COVID-19. And the International Air Transport Association says it expects airlines to lose between around $95 billion this year because of travel restrictions and low passenger confidence. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. And good morning to you too. How are you doing? Excellent. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Fine, thank you. Thanks for inviting me to your show. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Good to see you. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Yeah, good morning and welcome to Thursday. Back again for more. I'm Phil Whelan. Steve Vines is going to be with us today after 10 to count those cents. And have a look back over the week, of course, after 11.30 this morning, our vet, Dr. Dave, David Gething, is going to be making his weekly house call to answer any of your furry questions. We've got a couple on the Morning Brew Facebook page already, which we'll get to. And today he wants to talk about pets having seizures of various kinds. Heavy-duty stuff... JC Viennes is busy today and he can't be with us, which gives me a perfect opportunity to visit Chris Watts at his Motion Dynamics studio in Central. And today, he's promised to fix your piriformis syndrome. So there you go. 